Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 38 for Wednesday, August 29th. Coming to you internationally, I'm Alex Uwe, and I'm here today with Ray Estrada. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you over there in uh, Sweden? In uh, Sverige. It's very good. Very good. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's, like I mentioned last time, very difficult to watch a lot of baseball. That's probably the only drawback that I've experienced so far. But uh, we're not here to talk about my time over here. Let's talk about baseball, because we have missed a lot. It is uh, the week after Players Weekend, which is probably my favorite weekend of the year. But, uh, you know, considering my situation, I have not been nearly as up-to-date on all the amazing Players Weekend nicknames that we've gotten to hear um, and of course, if you don't know, they, all the players in Major League Baseball get to pick the name displayed on the back of their jersey for a weekend. So it's pretty cool. Um, so we'll start off talking about some players' weekend nicknames, and we'll also get to plenty of other stuff, all the lopsided standings, an incredible home run streak or two, actually, and uh, yeah, a couple other things as well. So, let's start with a little game, shall we? And why don't you go and explain what we're going to do here. Yeah, so, I mean, to kind of spice things up with just two of us who've done the um, Who Is This Guy game, but I'm bad at picking names that uh, you don't know. So, for Players Weekend, we'll do it with, uh, I'll give you a nickname, and you name me the player who wore that nickname last weekend. Let's do it. So the first uh, nickname I have for you is The Entertainer. The Entertainer. Cedric Mullins, the Orioles. Yes. I, I, <laughs> I asked you if you knew anybody in the Orioles. And no, you said that, no wasn't, but... that wasn't why. I know who Cedric Mullins is in that one. Okay. That first name popped into my head, which makes sense. It's yeah. his nickname. That's so. exactly why he's The Entertainer. Yeah. So you're off, you're off, to, you're off to a good start. Yeah. Um. Let's throw a little Spanish flair in there. How about El Caballo de Olaya? El Caballo de Olaya. Cowboy of Olaya. Oh man. You might you're about to stump me here. I feel it coming. Um goodness. No, it's it's not coming to me. Cowboy, like a cowboy player. I'm trying to think. It's nah, it's not coming to me. I don't have it. Not coming. That is Julio Tehran. Julio. Okay, there's no way I would have ever guessed that. So good thing I didn't. <laughs> good thing I didn't sit here forever trying to think longer. Julio Tehran. All right, you got okay. you got me there. Yeah. Next one, uh, Rojiki. 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 I think that's how you say it. Okay. Um, I'll guess somebody with like an R-O-J starting type name. Maybe Miguel Rojas and the Marlins? That would be Max Kepler. Oh, what? Okay. Rojiki spelled R-O-Z-Y-C-K-I. Okay, well, I don't get spellings, so... Is that a he's German, right? Is that a German thing? That is his father's last name. Okay. He is born his full name is Maximilian Kepler Roshiki. 
Uh, his mother is American born. Father father's actually Polish born, but Polish. He, he was born in he was born in Germany. Yeah, he was so born Kepler, in So Kepler's German. Technically. Uh, Kepler Kepler Viper. is an American born oh, name. American. It, Kepler's German. All right. I, his his parents met in Germany all right, in there. All right. We know we know all about Max Kepler's origins now. So Yeah. Like so the next going. one, uh you like this spin rate. Spin rate? Is that yeah. um is that Trevor Bauer? It is not Trevor Bauer. Oh, come on. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he was Bauer outage. Um, uh, that would make sense. Yeah. Uh, Phil uh, Matten, Matone, he's not. Phil Matone. Okay, uh, I like that nickname a lot, though. He's not, uh, he's white, so I don't know if it's Matone, but he's a pitcher for the Padres. Oh. I just saw that, and well, it, ha- it had to be in this game. No, it was, it's a good one. I don't even know who that guy is, so. Yeah, no, I had to look him up. All right. Um. Next one, Papa Frita. Papa Frita. Papa Frita, French fry. Uh, I want to say... I'm going to guess somebody on the Braves, because I, I think the Braves had a lot of like weird, random nicknames. Uh, are you, do you want to throw a name on the Braves? Yeah, this... it's probably not going to be right at all. Um, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint it's not a Brave. Well, well, I mean, that is that is a big hint. <laughs> um, I I don't J, Jace Fry because his name is Fry. I mean, you, you had a good thing with the nickname or the last name, but it's Paul Fry. Of Paul, Paul Fry, man. The Orioles. Okay. Okay. He was a pitcher. But my thought, and, uh, but my thinking was correct. You're, you're thinking, yeah, your thinking was correct. I'll take uh, it. the wrong fry. Um, so I've only gotten one out of five. You got one out of five. I, I have one, one more. One more, okay. I have one more. Yeah, uh, Bob. 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 Um, are there actually like no Bobs in in baseball? Right now, that's some. That's a different thought. That's that's a tangent. That right that is a different. Th- yeah. Um. Bob. I don't. I have no idea. Robbie Ray. Okay. Well, you know what, Players Weekend, you stumped me this year. Yep. I'll pay more attention to you in the future. I promise. For what it for what it's worth, Jace Fry's nickname was Foo. F O O. So I don't know. I don't know what that's worth. It's probably worth nothing, less than nothing. But now we know. Now we know a lot of players' weekend nicknames that you'll never need to know ever again. But uh, I enjoyed that. That was fun. Uh, and f- for the rest of this uh, podcast, we'll try to refer to all players we talk about by their players' weekend names. That's going to be so difficult. So we'll see how long that actually lasts. But yeah, let's get into some of the uh, more newsworthy type of things actually there is some more newsworthy stuff from players weekend we talked nicknames some other cool stuff that happened um one of the i think one of the coolest things was uh mike moustakis nickname is moose hit a home run off of joe musgrove of the pirates whose nickname was also moose so moose hit a homer off of moose moose on moose crime it is it is they're very hostile creatures i guess yeah um there was a couple other things, uh, a couple of nicknames that were a little more 
well known around the league too that I'll throw out there. Uh, do you want to do you want to go ahead and share your favorite one because it's it's incredible. My, my my favorite one. So it went on the back of Rich Hill as D Mountain, but it stands for Dick Mountain, and um, the story behind it is incredible. Um, so with the Red Sox, Brock Holt would refer to Rich Hill instead of calling him Hill, he'd call him Mountain, or instead of calling him Rich, he'd call him Dick, and then he combined that to, to Dick Mountain. So like. With the context of that, it's completely innocuous, but just the fact that he, Dick Mountains is, is his nickname is fantastic. Yeah, I don't even know if you need any context because really, you look at that. You don't need. You don't need. You do a double take, but then you look at his actual name and you say, "Ah, that's why." It I makes see what sense. you did there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that was one of the best ones. I think. Well, I think my favorite one, just for the uh, this historical element of it, was Brad Boxberger's, whose was just a. Box and Two hamburger emojis. emoji on the back of his jersey. I think that's the those are the first emojis ever on a major yeah. league jersey. So this history being made. Maybe yeah. next year but, yeah. everybody's going to be throwing emojis on there. Uh, uh, another, another one that I, I I really liked over the weekend was uh, Mitch Haniger, uh even by Meech, just two E's instead of an I, and just I think it's just it's your. Just a personal if favorite. Of well versed. If you're fluent in Spanish and you call somebody, hey, Meech, get over here, Meech. I don't know. I found it really funny. Okay. Well, yeah, but anyway, with the uh, the whole emoji thing too. Yeah. I just the, the thought of it making older fans, old the old curmudgeon-y fans, making their blood boil just makes me a little happier. And they're like, what are, what are these images on the back of jerseys? These are these are nonsense. So, I don't know. That's that's my thought process, but okay. I think that's that's about all of the the players' weekend stuff that we're going to talk about. So uh, let's talk about Kendrys Morales, which is something I didn't think I would be saying this year at all, probably. <laughs> but he went on an incredible tear. He hit a home run in seven consecutive games, and if you don't play baseball, that is not easy to do. <laughs> to put it simple. So for context the record is eight. And who holds the record again? Griffey, Mattingly, and can't remember the third guy. I saw the list recently. That's unbelievable that multiple people have done gone on streaks longer than that. But yeah, Kendrys Morales of all people just decided to become the hottest hitter in baseball. I think he played he definitely played the Orioles in that span. I don't remember who he played in the first Phillies the Phillies the Phillies and the Orioles are the teams that he played so I guess you know that that's not even like a bad mix of pitching the Phillies have decent pitchers I I don't even know where I was going with that but (laughs) Morales overall this year has been pretty uh pretty different first and second half as you'd expect only a first half WRC plus of 99 which is right around league average, actually. I didn't think he was even that good because he was really bad to start the year. But, of course, in the second half with this whole streak, 158 WRC+. Plus. Uh, and again, for if you don't know what WRC+, plus is, it's basically a measure off of a baseline of 100. So he is like 58 points better than average, you could say, in the second half of the season. Um, 
so it's just worth noting, really. Kendrys Morales is very old and is in the last year of his contract with the Blue Jays, right? Or does he have no, more? No, believe it, no. Uh, this is this is his middle year. Oh, he signed a three-year deal. Well, it seems like the Blue Jays are reaping some rewards right now after it looked like a sunk cost. Um, speaking of not reaping rewards, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Let's talk about the Nationals and the train wreck of a season they've had. I know this is this brings incredible joy to you. And, you know, Cubs fans now, really. Daniel Murphy yeah. was traded to the Cubs or claimed off waivers and then traded. Claimed off waivers at this point. but Yeah, or waiver, no, not, waiver trade. I don't believe he was claimed. He might have went unclaimed. Well, I don't know how the, 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 the process with waivers in August is that if somebody is claimed, those the team that claimed him has 24 hours to make a trade. If he goes unclaimed through all 30 teams, then uh, he is free to be traded to anybody. Well, Daniel Murphy is so on I the So I don't know what happened with Murphy. So that's, He's on the Cubs. That's what happened to Murphy. <laughs> um, yeah. And he's been off to a good start. It didn't really seem like any sort of fit because the Cubs are stacked. The Cubs the have middle infielders <laughs> and they have Chris Bryant on the DL so they don't even have a lot of space to work with when he gets back and also might I add I did not write this in our in our preparation doc but David Bodie what is he because he was nobody but now he's amazing so if you want to explain to me why David Bodie just decided to become one of the better hitters in baseball out of nowhere Please, please inform me because I am lost. I I have no explanation for you. Yeah, well, that's that's what I expected. But this is a no, like basically nobody prospect who's filling in at you know third base essentially. He's basically filling in for Chris Bryant, but he's putting up an eight fifty four OPS, which doesn't sound all that impressive, but he's hitting clutch home runs left and right. I think he had at least three in a row that were either game-tying or game-winning home runs for the Cubs. And also the first home run that he hit that wasn't like that, that broke that streak, went 450 feet. So I guess everybody can just do that now. That's a thing. And um, yeah, so interestingly enough, he has, look just looking at his stat line now, he's been caught stealing more than he's stolen bases four to three i don't know if that mattered at all but everything else about his game perfect not a pinch runner but david yeah. bodie's been really good I, the, the, the have, fact that he has seven stolen base attempts uh it's funny the cubs have a lot <laughs> of decisions to make regarding their playoff yeah. roster because addison russell i think they kind of put on the ghost disabled list right now and you know of course with chris bryant coming back or is, is he already back he might he might be close to being back. Um, there's just I believe a lot he of was on rehab uh, last night or tonight. Yeah, and then you have Ben Zobris there also, who's been really good for the Cubs actually this year. I, I think that's kind of flown under the radar too. We're getting to the point of the year where players can really fly under the radar and, um, and we just don't know any different. But we were talking about the Cubs a lot there. The point was the Nationals... Yeah. <laughs> are selling are selling everything. They traded Matt Adams back to the Cardinals as well. So 
the the Nationals really are done this year. It's kind of hard to accept, right? Because they always seemed like they were a little hot streak away from just putting themselves right back in the race with the Phillies and the Braves. But not this year. It doesn't look like it's happening this year. So No. Any thought? I mean, Harper got really hot after the All-Star break, too. You thought maybe Nationals could make it some ground. Even in the Phillies have kind of sputtered as of late. But, yeah, no, Nationals are still below 500. Um, they didn't – the comments surrounding the Murphy and Adams moves wasn't that they were punting on the season necessarily. They said it was for money-saving reasons, but I don't know what that means. Well, it, you don't make those moves if you if you are uh, confident in retaining Bryce Harper at, for uh, to sign into a long-term contract Yeah, if you're trying to do that. So, um, yeah, very interesting. As Another note, Harp, Bryce Harper – was put on waivers, got claimed by the Dodgers, and nothing happened. But, um, yeah, no, the Nationals, uh, yeah, it's just not not a good year, bad year in D.C. And, uh, I mean, they have, you know, Juan Soto, um, is it Victor Rojas? But outside of that, Strasburg keeps getting hurt, and uh, Scherzer's their only pitcher who's been solid the last few years so it's not a bright future i would say with harper leaving well it's not it's not a bad future either i think they have no some really good young talent actually i think the nationals will be right back in the uh in the race next year and you know even looking at it now we have a good solid month and change of baseball left to play and if the nationals do some some crazy, you know, sell at the deadline and go on a hot streak type of deal. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest because they have arguably the best pitcher in baseball still leading the way. They have Steven Strasburg back now. He missed a lot of time. They have, you know, they still have Bryce Harper. He's still there. He's not gone yet. They have, you know, a good core of young players still. They have Trey Turner. They have Adam Eaton, who's under control for a long time and back now. Um, they have a lot of pieces healthy, and they're, even their their bull their bullpen is pretty beat up right now, though. Even with everything that the Phillies and the Braves have done, they're not spectacular teams. You know, they're just not. The Nationals aren't either anymore. But it really can be anybody's race. You know, the Braves lead the division with seventy four wins, and the Nationals are a game over five hundred at sixty seven. But, you know, I imagine there's some head-to-head games in there. I imagine there's a lot of opportunity to make up ground. It's just when you sell sell off a lot of big pieces like that, it makes things really difficult. So um, let's, let's move on from the Nationals now. Um, because, you know, let's, we'll continue to talk about the standings and just how unusual everything's been because the National League is still such a tight race and considerably worse than the top end of the American League. It baffles me. The Red Sox have already reached 90 wins. They're at 91 and 42 right now. And the best National League team is the Cubs with 77 wins. That's 14 wins difference between the best team in the American League and the best team in the National League. And it's not just one team in the AL either. There's four teams with better records than the Cubs, the best team in the National League. And I just don't know what to think about that because these division races are, you know, they're super close, but also it seems like the playoff race 
is more or less decided already. So, in, in the American League, that is. The National League is completely up in the air. So, I'm going to go ahead and ask you something that, you know, is kind of controversial. Do you think that if the Yankees and the A's, let's say, both make the playoffs as the wildcard teams and both have better records than every single National League team, one of those teams is going home after one game. That's just how it is. So, do you think something has to change in regards to that? I mean, both of them might, they could have better records than the Indians, who are going to win their division in a landslide. So, I don't know if there's anything that can be done to easily fix this sort of lopsidedness, this inequality, but I, what, what are you, what's your take on I, that? No, I, I don't like the suggestion people are like, oh, you shouldn't, uh, they should seed them by however, you know, best record or worst. I, I'm not a fan of that because you're taking something that that doesn't happen every year and try and justify why that should be fine. Wait, well, I, it's, why? It's a why huge outlier season. Why would that be a problem then in a normal context of a season where you know the best teams of each division would you know theoretically be the three best teams in the league, right? That that would that wouldn't yeah. be an outlier. This is the outlier that we have to look at, and may might not even be an outlier. I think it happens quite a bit where a wildcard team will have a really good record. I mean, we've only had the two wildcard spots for a few years, but I I think this is the reason you try to to change the rule to combat scenarios like this specifically because, you know, it, it won't negatively influence a normal-looking season where the best teams in the divisions are, you know, the ones with the best records in the league. So... You know, so so then, so then why do you why do you even have divisions then? Why do we have, because it just makes everything nicer in terms of scheduling, in terms of, in terms of just interest, in terms of rivalries, in terms of, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, right now the divisions are very important for playoff seating, but I don't think it has to be that way just because it's always been that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I get that, but. I mean, you look on the flip side, you're Cleveland, you won your division by, say, 15 games, and now you have a one-game playoff to go in. Yeah, but you're also the fifth best team in, your, in the league. So where, which, which side of that makes you say, oh, the, you know, makes them look more deserving? Their, their division is by far the worst division in baseball. So they benefit from that just because they happen to be in a bad division, a really good team in a bad division? I don't know about that. And then if you think about it too, in a normal year, if they are in a bad division, why have they not won more than 75 games if they're playing these teams all the time, right? You know, it kind of goes both ways. So, yeah. That, yeah, but I, I mean, I, I would say, I would say though, seeding them one through five takes a lot out of the division race because the con- it, I mean, the loser gets a one game playoff instead of just oh okay they they both cruise to the finish and you know they're they're both going to play a five game series i think i i think that makes it more entertaining to 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 have it this way yeah i mean the division races are tight and that's what makes that's the argument i think you'd make to say the division should stay is because down the stretch it really does matter you don't want to go to a one game playoff and then i guess if you have three teams that are pretty 
safely the better teams and everybody chasing them, the order doesn't so much matter except for, you know, playoff seeding. None of them are at risk of missing out yeah, at that point, you know? Because Yeah. I mean, because honestly there there's no drama on the AL side if it's one through five. Yeah, and, and I mean the Yankees are the second best team in baseball. They're they're coasting, real, relatively speaking, but they have to play like their their playoff lives depend on it to try to catch the Red Sox, who are doing unbelievable things, because it, it's such a huge competitive disadvantage going into that one game playoff. So that's that's the good part about it is it does motivate really good teams to you know really fend off other good teams or really to make pushes at getting back to that that top spot in the division. So that that was just a little a little back and forth about uh, division races and playoff seeding stuff. I, I, we'd been meaning to talk about that for a while, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again. So uh, we'll move on from that now, though. Oh, I mean, so one, one other little note that you had mentioned to me, I think, uh, about the Tampa Bay Rays, who are also, yes. unfortunately in the best division in baseball. <laughs> um, they're currently eight games over 500 at 70 and 62. Over the weekend, they pulled even in terms of record with the Dodgers. They, they, they stayed ahead. even. So the so Dodgers have won uh, four straight, I believe. They swept the Padres and then beat the Rangers tonight. The Rays just had an eight-game winning streak snapped against the Braves tonight. Uh, Dodgers beat the Rangers, sorry. So... F- at least over the weekend, when I was looking at it, the Rays had the same record as the Dodgers, and they remain twenty and a half games out of the division. Yeah, and <laughs> I think that the payroll, the team payroll difference, is just staggering. Also, you know. Yeah. Be- because the Rays are notoriously cheap in terms of payroll, and the Dodgers are notoriously. Rich, I guess that's the only way you yeah. can describe it. Because, well, well the Dodgers, it, Dodgers payroll, as of right now, I think is at one hundred ninety-four million. Wow, yeah, and yeah, because the tax threshold is one eighty-seven, yeah. and the Tampa Bay Rays payroll right now is seventy-one million, <laughs> lowest in baseball. So, I don't know. Something's not adding up here. The math doesn't check out on that one. No. But, Everybody uh, in the offseason, too, said uh, the Rays and the Marlins would be fighting for, uh, I think, dead last in the majors. The, no, nobody thought the Rays were that bad. But the Rays... I, I've heard people say the Rays are that bad. You did, kind of, you did kind of gloss over the fact that the Rays swept the Red Sox in that yes. eight-game win streak. I. And was it a four-game set against the Red Sox, too? Or was it... I think it was just a normal weekend series. I think it was actually. just three-game series. They swept the Red Sox in a three-game series. And the Red Sox still have 91 wins, somehow. Um, <laughs> it's the Red Sox got to 90 wins, and they got to 90 wins, I think, last Thursday. And they are now at um, 91 wins after tonight. Wow, they've, <laughs> they've, really, they've really lost it, man. They're slipping, man. We need, we need the Rays to do that again. I'm talking to the Yankees <laughs> fan there for a moment. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But standing. Well, last time the Yankees. Yeah, last time the Yankees played the Rays, the Rays went two out of three. So you want that to change, but the trop is a, a death trap for. It was in Yankee Stadium. Teams. No, no, no. The trop is a death trap. We we got yeah, swept. I know. We got swept in 
in the trop. I remember vividly. Yeah, um, remember that. Um, all right, let's let's. You guys have one more series in the trop, and this is the last week of the season for oh, game set. Of course. Well, <laughs> just our luck. <sighs> ah, all right. Well, we got one one or two more things here to to mention, and then we'll wrap it up. So Ronald Acuna. Everybody knows Ronald Acuna. We talked about him last time. He was the hottest man on the planet before Kendrys Morales came along. Uh, Ronald Acuna is still kind of tearing it up. Sabanero Soy, that was his nickname. Don't understand it. Don't really Sabanero need the context. Sabanero means uh, Savannah, and um, Soy is I am in Spanish. Uh, it's yeah. from Venezuela, so, so Venezuelan pride in that nickname. I am Savannah. All right, that helps a little bit. But uh, he's... Still in there. He's continuing to uh, to crush the ball for the first place Braves. But uh, there's a little drama right after we talked about his home run streak last time. The very next game um, after Acuna had homered to lead off the game three consecutive times, the very next game, Jose Reina, the Marlins, goes up and hits him square in the back, completely intentional. I believe it was his fastest recorded fastball that he's thrown all year too. So, it was his fastest recorded first pitch all year. Yeah, it 90, was like ninety-seven. It was like ninety-ninth percentile of all fastballs. It was like ninety-seven hardest. miles an hour right into the back yeah, of the Cunha. Yeah, So hit him in the clearly. Elbow. Well, it was, it was it was high. Is the point? It was it was kind of head hunting. So that is of course not okay. The Braves very you know heated about that and they proceeded to pound the crap out of the marlins and uh Urania received what six game suspensions for that yeah so you know all is just all is right now um but that's just some unnecessary beef between a really bad team and a first place team right there that's that's pettiness at its finest so marlins you keep doing you you keep being bad so and as long as the the Orioles are around, you will not be the worst team in baseball. I don't think they're even close, really. They're at fifty three wins right now, and the Orioles are at thirty nine. Thirty nine. That's crazy, man. Kansas City is forty one. Who would have guessed the Marlins not being the worst team in baseball? I would never have guessed. Marlins aren't even the worst team in the National League. Padres hold that crown. Go Padres, man. This was the they beat Seattle. This is the year. Yeah. Oh, I guess that that was another interesting one, too. Oh, yeah. Jason Nix of the Padres last night threw eight and a third shutout innings. Or not shutout innings. He threw eight innings of shutout baseball. Uh, gave up a solo home run to Nelson Cruz in the ninth inning. Got pulled after eight and a third. But he did it on 79 pitches, eight hits, zero strikeouts, and zero walks. That's a line right there. That's a unique line. So yeah. he came really close to the 0K, 0-walk Maddox, which is a shutout uh, under 100 pitches. So maybe next time. Um, and, yeah, that's that's going to be about it. I, I guess another fun note, since uh, Farbode isn't here to join us, uh, we'll talk a little <laughs> trash about the Angels. Uh, they have not held a lead for 50 consecutive innings. They, they, they led for the first time last night. Since so they had a streak. August 19th. They had, they, a had a, they had a streak of 50. Yeah, yeah, you're right, about because 50, they did... About they 50 did, innings. They did hold the lead against the Rockies when they played in there, so... So from the... They had a lead 
uh, in the seventh inning, they or they gave up the lead in the seventh inning of the August nineteenth game against the Rangers. They lost two to the Diamondbacks, three to the Astros, and then in the fourth inning of the Rockies game, they took the lead finally. So they went about 50 straight innings without a lead, and that is incredibly frustrating. <laughs> That's awesome. you got to love the Angels without Mike Trout. Yeah. Also, Shoei Otani's awesome. I had to say it. I didn't. I didn't. I don't know why, but I had. It had to be said. So that you is, always you always have to say that. On that note, we are going to end it for today. Thank you everybody for joining us. If you enjoyed it, or if you think someone else will enjoy it, go ahead and share it, rate, comment, subscribe, do all that stuff. Uh, check out our website, beattheshiftbaseball.com. See all our podcasts there, and uh, connect with us on social media at beattheshiftbp on you know Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. So. That is it for today. Thanks again. As always, Ray. Peace.